This is Sit and Friends in the Morning. Seventy-seven WABC. Eric Clapton, happy birthday to one of the all-time greats, really one of the all-time greats, Eric Clapton, 742 on your Thursday morning. Always an honor to have this next guest on my radio show, become a very good friend of mine, very good friend. He is the mayor of New York City, and he's stopping by on a special day, opening day here in New York it is Mayor Eric Adams. Eric, good morning, pal. Happy opening day. How are you? You, you? you picked a great song to play, man, Eric Clapton. A lot of people don't realize how great his music is and will probably continue to be, you know. Uh, happy opening day. You know, the boys of summer, they're back. They are back. And I uh, actually started today's show, uh, Eric, at 6 a.m. with Don Henley, Voice of Summer, which is a great song, too. But uh, the Mets are in Miami. They don't come back until April the 6th. But the Yankees, they're in the Bronx this afternoon, 1 o'clock start, hosting the San Francisco Giants. And, you know, you talk a lot about spirit, Eric, you know, Mr. Mayor, and you talk about the spirit of New York. So it's a two-part question here. The Mets and Yankees returning to regular season baseball. What does that mean for this city in both spirit and, quite frankly, money? I think I think that sometimes we fail to understand how sports is really connected to the spirit of the city. You know, you remember during 9-11, I'll never forget that home run that was hit by Mike Piazza. Yes, yes. And how it really just let us know that, we will come back no matter what happens. The city is resilient, not because of the tall buildings, not because of the wide streets, but it's resilient because of the people. Uh, New Yorkers are special people. You know what? It's a privilege to be a New Yorker. And I think that baseball and even basketball and other sports ranges, it's all part of boosting one's spirit. And it, pay, it only not only boosts your spirit, there's economic value to it. Every time, you know, there is a championship game or leading up to the playoffs, there's a real economic boost around tourism, and it really helps our economy. So there's a real, you know, just a dual benefit of having, a, you know, good sports teams and how they help the city. You know what's funny, too, Mr. Uh, Mr. Mayor, is I love what you said about baseball just now, but you and I have had so many conversations about uh, your personality, right? And we go out for dinner, you and I, and we talk about a lot of stuff, the city, some of the issues, what you feel, what I feel. And uh, one of the folks that spent most of his life living in this city and has since relocated to Florida is the man running once again for president, Donald Trump. And, uh, look, you're on record. You like Joe Biden. You have favorably compared yourself to Joe Biden. And I said to somebody, Mr. Mayor, a couple of days ago, I said, you know what's funny about Eric? 
I said, he is Trump. He is almost exactly, he's not going to want to hear this because, again, he compares himself to Biden, blah, blah, blah. But he is so much like Donald Trump, he doesn't realize it, but I do. Has anybody else told you that you're a Democrat, you like Biden, but the truth is, in a lot of ways, you do have a lot of Trump in you. Anybody ever tell you that? No, I'm, I'm a blue-collar guy, brother, you know. And I, I think what what's great about, as you said, oftentimes we sit down, we'll have dinner, we'll communicate, is that people don't know how much they miss by having people in their lives that don't think the same things think that they do. You know, we have lost the ability in the city and country to engage in good, healthy dialogue. Everyone is is embarrassed to, you know, engage in good, healthy dialogue. I love talking about why I like Biden, why I believe I'm a blue-collar mayor, just as you love talking about why you like uh, Trump, you know. Uh, this is who we are. And, and when you don't have that, if all, if all I do is sit in a room with people who like what I like, I'm never going to grow. I'm never going to see two sides of an issue. I'm just going to be living in an echo chamber. <laughs> so, you know, I'm a, I'm a blue-collar guy. I like Biden because he's a blue-collar guy. A guy took the train, uh, you know, to Washington, D.C. The guy had some major hurdles in his life he had to overcome. I think about my hurdles of being arrested, being dyslexic, uh, living on the verge of homelessness. Uh, you know, I just see in him uh, what... Uh, I see in the life that I had to live and the hurdles I had to overcome, like all of us. I'm sure you have some stories of what you had to overcome. Oh, God. Your life. (laughs) Got a few. (laughs) (laughs) But I will say this. Some of the uh, obstacles you have to overcome now kind of put in your way that you didn't put here, like the migrant situation, uh, which is a huge issue for New York, especially from an economic standpoint, Uh, That's a Biden deal. So, uh, listen, if you like Biden, God bless you. If you think he's a blue-collar guy, I mean, you're losing a $9 million house and all those things. I'm not sure what's blue-collar about that. But the truth is, one of the things that really plagues this city, uh, Mr. Mayor, this migrant crisis, comes straight from him. Uh, He's the guy that is completely okay with open borders. He's a guy that now, of course, that mayors like you and other governors have to deal with on a daily basis now, all of a sudden, he ain't talking so much. But the truth is, you're dealing with this headache because of the guy that you pretend to like. Well, and, and, and there's a dual response uh, to that uh, because, yes, he's, you know, he's a, a president. The president must take the ultimate responsibility of whenever there's a crisis of this magnitude, uh, there should be a national solution to it. And I have not uh, seen uh, what I needed uh, from the White House around this issue. But also, we have to be honest about the failure of getting real, comprehensive immigration reform. That's the heart of this. And we've been going back and forth on this issue for so many years. And we have to finally deal with immigration reform. How are we going to handle our borders? It's unfair for Brownsville, uh, Texas, as well as El Paso and New York City and Chicago's and other cities. And so I think there's blame to blame on both sides. You know, the Republicans have been really against comprehensive immigration reform, and the White House has a responsibility of dealing with this crisis that has been really placed on New York City's lap. Now, you, are, again, are not a huge fan of Donald Trump, but you're a rational guy. That's one of the reasons why you and I become really good friends. 
And I don't know how you feel about this. I really don't. I, I, I like to think I do, but I'm interested to hear your response, this Alvin Bragg-Donald Trump case. I'm going to tell you it's ridiculous. There's nothing here. That's why the grand jury keeps postponing. That's why there's been no arrest. That's why there's been no indictment. And there ain't going to be one. I can't tell you about the rest of these cases, Eric, Georgia, Mar-a-Lago, January 6th. I don't know. But now we hear the grand jury maybe another month. It ain't going to happen because the truth is Alvin Bragg does not have a case. What are your thoughts on the Manhattan DA getting in so deep that he tried to bring a case that, quite frankly, Mr. Mayor, doesn't exist. You, you know, there's one thing I learned, Sid. Let prosecutors do their job, and I'll do my job. I do not get involved with it. Uh, I do know that there are layers to an investigation and that I don't recall the DA ever stating uh, that where was he in the process. Uh, I think there was a lot of speculations. There was a lot of rumors. Uh, there were a lot of innuendos flying around, but I think the DA has been extremely professional and really stand focused on what his job uh, was, and that is to conduct an investigation. And once that investigation comes to a conclusion, uh, then we'll know what's going to happen when any form of announcement or no announcement is made. But that's his role. He has a non-mandate uh, you know, that allows him to make the determination on how to move forward. And let him do his job. And, you know, I have enough on my plate <laughs> to play the role of a, of a district attorney. Yeah, that's fair. Now, let me ask you about uh, Heasty. He was on the cover of the Post yesterday. And, and I, I defend you on this, Mr. Mayor. Sometimes people are too hard on you. I know you've gone to Albany more than once, more than once, in an effort to uh, this reform, bail this reform, uh, reform bail. And I know you've had uh, disagreements from Kathy Hochul. To Heasty, to Stewart Cousins, uh, they have not been very cooperative. That doesn't mean you're not continuing to try. But all of a sudden this morning, after the New York Post had Heasty on the cover yesterday, now Heasty, according to the Post this morning, is considering some changes. What are your thoughts on that? Well, again, I don't know about, you know, what's being considered right now. The, the, the way this goes, the mayor of the city heads to Albany. I was up there six times to talk with uh, the, the my colleagues up there and really push forward the agenda that's important for the city. And there were several things uh, that was on there. Let me tell you, Sid, when you looked at the list of items that we had to fight for, uh, $500 million paying for the MTA, uh, that, is, that, that is just n- not fair to New York City. Um, how are we trying to push our housing agenda? Uh, 421A, these are things that are really going to impact the direction of our city, and I had to fight for them. And on that list of items uh, is to just continue to meet with my colleagues and talk about uh, public safety is important to me. And I think that we're in the room having good, healthy conversations, and I, I'm, I had a great conversation uh, with Carl, uh, listen, Carl is a conscientious guy. Carl knows uh, that we have to find the right balance as we move forward. And, you know, same with uh, Andrew Stewart Cousins, the majority leader in the Senate. They have a tough job. They got to balance um, all of their members. And, you know, when you are a leader of a conference, you have to hear all, all sides. And I think we're going to come out uh, fine. I think that the this is part of the Albany process, the negotiations that you're seeing now.
And, you know, now I shared my view. They're now going to deliberate and make the decisions with the governor and their colleagues up there. So how closely now, uh, Mr. Mayor, do you watch uh, April 1st? April 1st, HOCO, the budget, the city, the state, all those things. How big a day is that for you, April 1? Did I lose them? Oh, oh there you are. <laughs> you yeah. know, uh, that's it. You, you talk about the boys. That's the boys and girls of summer for me. I, I, <laughs> what happens on April 1st is extremely important. And, you know, uh, uh, Sid, people said last year that uh, we had a terrible year in Albany. That was just untrue. We went to Albany with 12 big items that we needed that were crucial to us and for working people. I'm a working a people mayor. And we got 10 out of the 12. You know, we were able to bring down the cost of child care. We were able to uh, increase the earned income tax credit so people were able to get money back in their in their pockets. Got, we got um, uh, the NYCHA land trust. Many people were trying to do it, were unable to do it. I can go down the list of things that Albany uh, did for us. So, you know, you don't get everything you want in life. But we got the overwhelming majority of things that we wanted and so we're going to get some victories this year, and we're not going to get everything we want, but we're going to continue to push forward no matter how hard it is. Yesterday was a big day for you, Mr. Mayor. You launched the first phase of the My City portal. Uh, it was, I know it was you and uh, the first Deputy Mayor, Sheena Wright. Uh, you also had uh, Matt Frazier there, uh, as well as a host of others. For folks that don't know, the My City Portal is really a one-stop shop for city services and benefits. Tell the audience, Mr. Mayor, about uh, how big that was yesterday in the New York agenda. Oh, uh, You know, I cannot tell you how excited I am about it, uh, Sid. You know, many people don't know this journey to become mayor happened 30 years ago. Uh, I told a group of friends 30 years ago that I wanted to be mayor January 1st, 2022. And every year I would remind them, you know, people used to laugh and joke. They went from laughing and joking and saying, wow, this guy is serious. And while the years went by being a police officer and others, I took notes on my observation of the city on what we can fix. And at the heart of that was this concept called my city. We should have one identifiable way to identify every interaction every New Yorker has with the city. And I I was blessed to have a person, Matt Frazier. I met Matt, I said, when he lost his relative to gun violence. I I met him there. We spoke. I took a note in my journal, and I reached out to him once I got elected and asked him to join my team. I told him the concept. He's uh, He's my chief technology officer. And so we did the first phase. So what this does for New Yorkers, it's almost it's similar to those of you who have a mortgage. When you call your mortgage company, you're not reintroducing yourself. They have your complete history. You don't have to re-fill uh, out a form. That is what my city is. My city is going to say to New Yorkers, once you sign up, you're going to be able to know every benefit that, that's available for you in the next cu- couple of phases. You're going to be able to know, um, you know, what your history is, how we can assist you. It's a centralized way of finding out what your city has for you. And the first wave of that is with the child care. We had a real child care problem where parents did not know where to go, how to register. That's the first wave 
of child care, and we're going to continue to add on a new wave of of ways to to just centralize it. You know, it's like it's like the old iPod. The old iPod <laughs> only played songs. Right now, look at that old iPod. Everything is for one smartphone device. Your mobile, your TV, your phone calls, your video, your music. That's what my city is going to be. My city is our new, going from an iPod city to a smart city where everything is going to be centrally located for you. Last two minutes, you mentioned gun violence, and I'll commend you. You've done a really good job, Mr. Mayor, uh, taking guns off the streets. I mean, at last conversation, Eric, you had 3,000, maybe 4,000, thousands of guns that you've taken off the streets, and that's not a small thing. But when you consider there are hundreds of millions of illegal guns on the street, uh, that becomes a relatively small thing. And my point is, the truth is, is that none of these guns, none of these guns get shot by normal people. These school shootings, these are all angry, desperate, depressed, over-medicated kids who are committing these crimes. There's a lot of responsible gun owners all over this country. In fact, the majority are responsible gun owners that never fire their guns. The people that fire these guns are the crazy people. Why don't we spend just as much time talking about crazy as we do guns? I can't figure that out. Well, and you know what, Sid? Look at at what happened in Nashville. Can, Can you imagine being home and you get that call or you're sitting at the table and you see flash across the screen shooting in school? You know, your children are in the school. It could be a college campus. It could be a elementary or high school. You know, my heart goes out to the family members who have to experience this. Like, it goes out to the family members that experience gun violence in the city. And I've visited so many families. And that's why I take this issue so personally. Uh, we have too many guns on our streets. And that's why I understand those states that are stating or give people a right to carry without a background check. That is horrific uh, to give people the right to carry a gun, even though they go into some form of mental health crisis. And I do talk about uh, the mental health crisis. And, you know, I get criticized because I believe that we need to be proactive and not reactive. Do you know 40 to 50% of the people on Rikers Island right now have mental health issues? Sure. 18% of them have severe mental health issues. Sure. We should be catching people before they carry out the act. And so I'm, we rolled out our our plan, to, not only in our subway safety plan, but also in our mental health plan to look after drug use among, uh, among people, to look after the mental health crisis that's impacting our children, and to look at the long-term care for people. We know that we have to hit this head-on. Many people are afraid to do that, but I'm not. I'm afraid if we don't do it, what's going to happen to people in our city. Excellent answer. Uh, Mayor Eric Adams, as always, thank you for taking time out of your very, very busy morning. Hop on with me. Happy opening day. Let's uh, hope it's a big season for both the Yankees and the Mets, like we talked about from a spirit and economic standpoint for New York City. So happy opening day. Thank you again, Mr. Mayor. I'll talk to you later on today. Thank you so much. Thank you. Say hello to your little guy for me. Tell the roof for the right cage. <laughs> <laughs> you got it, man. You got it. Thank you. That's Eric Adams. Never waste an opportunity to say hello to my son, Gabriel. I love that. My boy, Gabriel. I will do that, Mr. Mayor. Thank you very much. All right. That wraps up uh, the first two hours. A great two hours of radio. A lot more still to come, including this hour. 
Judge Napolitano, Norm's Nuggets, and the great Bill O'Reilly. Very exciting 8 o'clock hour about to come your way.